Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Knuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Clinson, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Welcome to another episode of Motor City Hoops. Today we'll discuss the Pistons games against the Bulls, Pacers, Nets, and Wizards, all losses. Then we'll talk about Blake Griffin, rejecting a trade for Sadiq Bey, and the return of Killian Hayes in our 3-on-3 segment. Finally, around the NBA, we'll cover the Rookie of the Year MVP races, Drummond the Lakers, and Aldridge the Nets. But Bryce first the Bulls. One of the ugliest games we've had all year, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, really, yes. some that I you want to forget. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I have that in my notes, Vlad. I said it, it's the worst game of the year that I've watched. Um, there's a another one here that we're going to dive into a little bit later in the week that that's going to kind of piggyback off of it just a little bit. But yeah, it, it just wasn't a good game. Josh Jackson and Sadiq Bay combined to go two for twenty one in this game. You know, I guess if we want to find a positive, because I think it'd be real easy just to go negative, negative, negative with this game. To me, this game was the epitome of why we I like Jeremy Grant at the four because Laurie Markkinen could not guard him. That was his matchup because Grant was at the four and Grant got hot, was working him to the rim, continues to bang shots, had his confidence going. Now he did eventually go cold. But like those are just the type of matchups that that Grant will get at the four, and why I like him playing there. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the type of game, you know, Bay basically goes scoreless until the buzzer three, you know, and uh, that's not an issue. You know, it happens. Shooting slumps happen. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure this whole team is in a shooting slump. I feel like our team is just bad at shooting threes. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's really. The case, you know, the Bulls, that stretch going to halftime in third quarter, it's like, to me, that's what decided the game. You know, they made that run. Uh, they got a bunch of stops and, uh, you know, our shooting just, you know, 16% from three. That's just something you want to forget. Um, and the Bulls won on defensive end. You know, if you score 86 points or you hold the team to 86 points in the NBA nowadays, they win on defensive end. 
And, uh, you know, Bill Donovan has done a fabulous job with that team. Uh, you know, they traded for Vucevic after that. And, uh, you know, they're, they're one of the teams that, you know, they're probably going to be in that playoff contention, five foot playoffs. And, uh, you know, they showed uh, that I think when you get teams like this, they're very hungry. You know, they were on losing streak too before this game. But it's very hard for us to beat a team like that, Bryce, because they're better than us. And two, I think they really treat every game like a playoff game, you know, because they try to win every single game that they can to get in the playoffs. Compared to, you know, you go later on the Nets game, I feel like, you know, you can catch a team like that sleeping. Yes. But a team like the Bulls, you know, that's like in their playing game area, they, they fight and scrap for every loose ball and they try to get every win they can. And those type of games are going to be ugly for us, I think, the rest of the year. That That's uh, a great point. That's my take on that. Yeah, that's a great point, Vlad. You know, we've talked about why why are we able to sneak up and beat some of these really good teams, some contenders, you know, and then we don't beat the bad teams. I think the point you brought up, you know, the Bulls are hungry. They're young. Zach Levine's trying to prove himself every single game as a superstar in this league. Laurie Markkinen, you know, I, I kind of bagged on his defense, but offensively he can, you know, Patrick Williams has that that mentality. You know, Denzel Valentine, whatever you want to say about him, like he's going to go out there, he's going to try to ball out. So they have a group, a core group of guys. And like you said, when you hold an NBA team in this day and age to 86 points, you doing you're doing something right on defense and it doesn't help like you said that we just don't have shooters right now Wayne Ellington didn't play in this game and he's really our only consistent I feel like consistent three-point shooter with Jeremy and, and Sadiq Bay so Sadiq Bay was off Wellington Ellington didn't play and Grant's just been struggling a little bit yeah then that kind of carries not Grant struggle but that kind of carry the next game um you know where we kind of it didn't carry. We just like flipped the page. We shot thirty nine point six from three. Yeah. So we come like off a, a horrendous shooting game. And we have twenty nine assists. We have okay, fifteen turnovers is a little bit too much. We out rebound the Pacers, but give up eleven offensive rebound. Jeremy goes for twenty nine. Sadiq and Wayne sixteen points each, and you know we lose the Pacers to me, which is a much better team than the Bulls by only like five points. You know one eleven to one sixteen. Again, that's. That's the stuff to me that I think it's hard for a lot of fans to, oh, we were in this game. Okay, we were. But I really do think the rest of the year that the teams are like the 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th spots, 11th maybe, they have a chance to make the playoffs. Those are going to be hard as heck for us to beat. And we have a better chance of winning a few games here and there against better teams than the teams like the Bulls. So to me, this game, you know, guys just kind of hooped and – DeLon had a huge turnover at the end. You know, what what'd you think about this game, Bryce? Yeah, the first thing I want to say, and I, I know he's not a pissing, but it was really cool to see Karis LeVert back on the floor, Vlad. You know, he yep. was in that trade. He was a part of the James Harden trade. You know, if you listened, if you haven't listened, go listen to the special trade deadline episode. We kind of talk about how, you know, I know for at least myself, I, I think the Houston Rockets made a mistake not keeping Karis LeVert. Um, but he had some medical issues and it was, it was good for him. It's good to see him back on the floor just as a, just as a, you know, a person, as a human. Um, so that was really cool. You know, uh, to me, the, the main takeaway I took from this, it was, it, we've talked about consistency so much the last few episodes. And we go from talking about how we don't have any shooters and can't shoot. This game, we shoot above 50% from the field and almost 40% from three. But to me, this game was about the late game play call. 
Um, I've tried not to be hard on Dwayne Casey. I've been supportive of Dwayne Casey. I think he's done a really good job. All right. But I do think there's some, if there's one fair place to criticize Dwayne Casey, I think it's after timeouts. I think it's late game play calls. And in this game, we go to a, a late game play call of DeLon Wright coming off a flat ball screen from Mason Plumley, and it ends up in a turnover. And to me, there may have been an ill-timed baseline flare, like the baseline pass was supposed to be there or something. But just give the ball to Jeremy Grant. I, I would live with a Jeremy Grant air ball and ISO as opposed to what we got. And so I, I just – it continues – and this will piggy – this is a precursor to another game later in the week and what happens at the end of the game. I, I just get really frustrated that Jeremy Grant doesn't seem to get the ball late in the game. I don't know. We talked about perfecting tanking, Bryce. I really think Coach <laughs> Coach Casey is a very good coach. So I'm, I'm but, just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say anymore that on has, that. I, and that's what everybody says, but that has to be almost impossible to do in the moment, isn't it? <laughs> like as a, you know this as a competitor, like I understand that I get it, but every time I hear that, I'm just like, I don't think that that you can't really do that in the moment, though, can you? No, but we haven't been. You're right. We haven't been consistent as far as how we treat closed games. Uh, it started with the first few games of the year. It was Hayes. Then next game, we just turn over and let's have Derek Rose. Let's give him a shot at it. You know, like I feel like it's not even the hottest hand. Like we kind of just. It's almost random. Somehow. Yeah, it's like. Okay, today's Plumley. Well, why? You know, like, I don't mind giving the hot hand. You know, like, let's say Wayne Ellington has a crazy game and go ahead, give him the green light, draw a play for him to shoot a three, you know, win or go home. I'm okay with that kind of stuff. Yes. But there should be a rhyme or reason on why we're doing this. And, okay, he doesn't have to explain this to us. But to me, it just seems like a little bit weird that we don't have, okay, so the what the Pistons do in the last possessions, they give the player with a hot hand the ball. Great. At least we would know that. Yes. But we don't. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, that, it's a hit or miss, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. DeLon. Okay, great. Oh, Kevin Hayes. I just. Whatever it was. To me, there's. I, 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 exactly. You, you hit it on the head. Like, whatever my thought on it is doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter that I think Jeremy Grant should be the guy. But it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason. Like I watch a lot of times in the NBA, you have so many timeouts at the end of the game, and you're going to go offense. You could go offense, defense anyway. So I'm, part of me is like, why are these guys on the floor anyway? You know, why isn't Wayne Ellington? And maybe he was in that situation, but we should have all of our best shooters on the floor. You know, or all our best offensive players. Then we can sub our defensive players. You know, and you know, I, I just. Some of that X and O, that details into those end of the game situations, I don't, as a coach, that I love, that's the funnest part of the game, I don't necessarily always see playing out. And and maybe it is. Maybe it's like, hey, you know, it doesn't really matter if we lose because we're, we're tanking, and so we're not as getting intricate. But I, I would still like to see it in those situations. Or I wonder, you know, just I'm, I'm playing uh, kind of devil's advocate right here, but Maybe he's just kind of figuring out for next year. Sure, you know, okay, sure. let me try this. Let me try that. But again, I feel like you should go to guys that you know are going to be here next year. You know, or no, maybe, so, he was, I, he, maybe he wasn't planning on getting rid of Delon Wright. I don't know. <laughs> no, and I, again, I could live with that. Like I'm fine with that too. You know, I'm fine with him trying things out. And here's the other thing: maybe he was. Try, maybe he knew Delon Wright was going to get traded, and he was try, like, 
maybe a game winner was going to give us another second round pick or something, you know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, again, I hate, I have a hard time sitting here in my basement behind a microphone judging a NBA coach's decisions. I, I, I really do. But I do, you know, we both played at a very high level. I, I, I high school coach, so I've, I've watched the game a certain way. And as I watch the games, I find myself, if there is a time I question some of Casey's decisions, it's X's and O's coming out of a timeout, a baseline out of bounds play, or end of the game. You know, those those are just the situations where I'm like, huh, I wonder what he was thinking or, or what the thought process was. Absolutely. No, and I totally agree with you. And I want to touch on something else because I saw it in your notes. And what is your take on Sadiq Bay? Because I see in your notes that you start to see him here like a little more as a 3-4, not a 3-2. And I just wanted to ask you why. Yeah, I just – I don't see him as a two-guard. I, I watch him – that – so my notes are kind of confusing because I talk about his off-the-ball defense. That doesn't have anything to do with what I see him as offensively I see him more as a 3-4 type player because I think I think like I can see him develop that I said this on the everything Pistons like as an old man's and this isn't a knock on him like to me whenever I tell you you have an old man's game like it's a compliment so I hope everybody understands that but like the old man back you down shot fake step through up and under you know that type of game and so I just kind of see him more of as a 3-4 man than uh, a three-two, you know, kind of bouncing back between the the three or the two. That that had more to do offensively than than anything to do with his defense. Yeah, given the current current roster, I actually don't see him anything other than a three. For uh, sure, for sure. You know, right now it's like a three and D, and that seems to be his role. And then eventually, maybe he develops, uh, you know, to that next level scoring. The, the, and he the reason the reason it. I put that in there, Vlad, was because some people have talked about if we draft Evan Mobley. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they see Mobley and Stewart starting together, Plumley or whatever. But Grant going back to the three, and then Bay to the two. And I'm just like, I don't see Bay starting or playing at the two. You know, yeah, to me, he's going to struggle. Yes, and so that that's kind of why I put it in there because I, I'm a huge Evan Mobley fan. He plays here in a couple hours. I'm excited to watch him play uh, against Oregon. But I do think the most natural fit for our current roster is a is a guard or a wing to allow people to play in their more natural positions. I feel like drafting Evan Mobley puts guys in some funny spots. Is is, is the only thing I'm going to say. If you want to go in the draft, we can. But I really <laughs> think we we need a scorer. The more I watch this team, we need we need somebody that can score the ball. Jalen Green and, uh, moving up Pistons fans draft boards. I can tell you that much. The the G League Ignite player he. He's a scorer, so yeah, and he he was the number one player to draft uh, in the draft. He was number one player in his class coming yeah. out of high school. He just chose a different path. Yeah, so I think it's going to be very interesting. Some of it those will. guys that chose chose the the G League path could be sleepers in some ways. You know, where Cam Cunningham and even Mobley were in the spotlight for the whole year, and and someone like Green was yeah. playing in a bubble game. Yeah, exactly. So uh, to me, that's going to be very interesting right there, and. I really trust Troy Weaver that even if we have the first pick and he goes green, I wouldn't be going crazy here. I'll tell you that, Pistons fans. Yeah. You're not, you know, I'll be behind it because I see it. You know, we need a scorer. Yep. At the two guard. If we can get a two guard, I can score the ball. He's the most natural this fit. Very dangerous. He's the and most we'll, natural. We'll, we'll get into killing Hayes still coming back. Yep. Uh, we'll talk a little, a little bit further down the road about that. But Rice, then uh, we go to the Nets. Uh, 
I don't know what to say other than Harden plays like an MVP. I mean, that was <laughs> is what I wrote on Facebook too. I was like, yeah. holy moly, this, this guy is just, you know, everybody's the big three. I'm like, well, Kevin Durant's been out for two months. Yep. Kyrie yep. is uh, have, plays here and there. He has personal issues like every month. He goes party. Yeah. Okay, I'm joking. I know he has he has his reasons, but again, it was his birthday, so he had personal reasons that he, he missed a bunch of games. So Harden goes crazy again. Uh, Bryce, what was your take on that game? Because what I saw, and we're, we're going to try for all listeners, we're going to get into the Blake Griffin stuff just five, ten minutes from here. Yeah. So you're not going to hear a lot of it, but uh, we have a lot to say about Blake Griffin. But he did score 17 as he returned. Um, he had a little dunk and a stare down the bench. Uh, you know, Stewart and him got into it, got chippy. Uh, but I- I'm just going to leave it at that as far as Blake goes. Harden had 44, 14, and 8. Played like an MVP. Carried that team. He's been carrying that team for a while now. What did you see in that game, Bryce? Yeah, I-, I won't go too much into the Nets because we are going to have some MVP talk. And we'll talk some of the Nets in general during the three one or during the around the NBA because of um, where LaMarcus Aldridge chose to go after his buyout. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give your boy Mason Plumley some love here, Vlad. He had a fake <laughs> He had a fake pass where he dr- almost drops the defender. Oh, that was nice. It was nice. I had to rewind it like, oh, oh, oh. Did, did this, is this what he really just did? So, hey, Mason Plumley, he, he looked nice. I, I got to give him some love for that. That was a nice move. That should have ended up on... I don't watch a lot of Sports Center, but if it didn't end up on Sports Center top ten, it should have. So I, I want to give, you know, put my Duke bias aside and give Mason Plumley the love <laughs> he des- deserves for that. Um, you know, I think my biggest takeaway from this is the second unit is really fun. We've talked about these players that Troy Weaver has acquired, but but it's going to be clunky offensively at times because that second unit doesn't have a lot of shooting, and so. It, 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 it's going to look a little rough if a team turns it into a half-court game. And we've talked about that. If we're going to play that second unit of athletes, it needs to be fast-paced, up and down, not a whole lot of half-court offense. And you guys brought up a couple episodes, or last episode, bringing what keeping Wayne Ellington. And I, the more I watch this team, the more I don't think that's a bad idea. He wouldn't be a bad fit with that second unit just to give him one shooter. You know, a guy that can space the floor, keep the defense honest. And I... Maybe he doesn't fall into that athlete category, but I don't think it would be bad um, to, to keep him around or to have some sort of plan for some shooting in that second unit. Yeah, and, you know, Hamidi Al, he made his debut. He has scored six points. Corey Joseph played his first game for us. He scored a nine. You know, it was overall, it was, a I would say, a pretty good game on our side, um, you know, given the fact that we got rebounding for 49-36. Uh, we shot thirty five percent from three, which is very good for us uh, at this point in the season. And the way that this this <laughs> roster shape, the, the yeah. way this roster shaping up right now. Uh, but I was I was kind of impressed by Diallo coming off, you know, coming off an injury. He did show his athleticism at times. Um, you know, he got chippy with Blake at some point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I, I like that. You know, I like that edge. Yes. And it was his first game for us, and he kind of, you know, you can see that he kind of bought in. And I wonder if that's like a, something that Weaver knew from before because, you know, he scouted him before and he was involved in him getting to OKC. So I really wonder, like, uh, the background of Hamid Yalo as far as, you know, the type of character he has because he does seem to fit the bill. And Troy Weaver does seem to have really a certain um, – 
don't know. He has Scott a type. report that he follows. What he, what, yeah. yeah, exactly. He has his own type. And that that's also why I mentioned Green in the draft. Because the more I look at Cunningham and the more I look at Green, Green fits the bill for, yes. uh, for Troy no, Weaver. I, I would I would 100% <laughs> agree, right? I mean, if, if you go off what we know about Troy Weaver, you know, this quote is from a few months ago. He loves centers, Evan Mobley. And then his type of player on the wing Jalen Green seems to fit that bill more than yeah, like anybody six, else. Six six and up, athletic, yeah. athletic. Uh, you know, can can defend multiple positions. Jalen exactly. Green, I think, can shoot it maybe better than what some of these yeah. other got. You know, than the jo- Josh Jacksons and Hamid Diallo's. But he 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 does fit. He does fit. It, you know what Troy Weaver seems to really like. Absolutely. And then uh, we'll go into uh, our last game of the week. Uh, the week, the Wizards, 96, 92, 106 loss. Russ with 19, 19, and 10. Uh, Beal leaves uh, early with an injury. Then uh, we come back to life. But, uh, you know, Casey said it right. He was like, effort effort level and focus were low in the first half. And, yes, they were. We received 33 points in the first quarter and 35 in the second. And we committed nine turnovers. I'm not even going to give you guys stats on players because no one really played well, or that's no. what it seemed like to me. No, it was it, just another ugly game, and I can't really name a week this whole year, Bryce, where we had two week. games. Where we had two games like the Bulls and the Wizards this yep. week. Yep. To me, those are very disappointing games, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to like, okay, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- you have to, right? Like this team has shown that this isn't really who they are. Casey's, I think, exact quote, I'm still paraphrasing, so I shouldn't say exact, but it was like, we had no give a crap is pretty much what he said. You know? <laughs> so the the, fir- the first half was, no- I sit at home on the couch and watch the game on my phone, you know? And so it's hard to tell sometimes whether what you're watching on the TV is how it really feels. But to me, it looked like there was no energy. There was, I don't want to say no fight, but like there was just no enthusiasm to be playing the game. And, I, you know, I, I don't mean to give these guys a pass, but they play a lot of games and you're going to have games like this every once in a while. I know they get paid a lot of money to show up every day and go to work and all that. I get it. I get it as fans. But that's a lot of games. And so sometimes it's just going to happen, especially with no fans. Fourth game in six days. Yeah. And there's no fans in the stand. I mean, I know there is now, but it, it's not packed. You don't have all the energy from that. And I, I guarantee you, I know as a former player, there's times you walk on the floor and you kind of need that. You need somebody or all the people or the noise, the excitement to, to get you going a little bit. You know, it's, but it, what's funny is this game was still even worse than what the score showed, Vlad. It was because we went on a 31 to 5 run in the third quarter. Like, that's what's crazy. We, we had it within four so said, going after, into after the fourth. Beal, we kind of came back to life. That was yeah. it. it. It was. It was crazy, and I missed that. I tweeted this out. I got a phone call, so I didn't get to watch the third quarter. So all I saw us do was get outscored by almost 40 points in the first, second, and fourth quarters and miss the only good part of the game in the third. So I I didn't even get to see the nice run, but you're right. It was the first game or the first week where it seemed like we had two of these games that were really, really tough to watch. Absolutely. But, again, like you said, it was the fourth game in six days and not back having back. fans, not having, you know, not having all these extras really as a player. When it comes down to 
maybe some guys are not motivated by just the money and they're not motivated just by stats and they need the crowd. They feed off the crowd and there's nothing there for you. It, it can get tough, especially on a team that's losing a lot. Yes. You know, where you have not much to play for. At this, like, at this point in the season, you have nothing to play for. So I do understand some guys needing maybe the crowd at this point to kind of pull them up. Okay, give me some life. And there is nothing there. But, you know, there's 700 fans right now. And, and I know this may sound crazy to people, but you can tell me if you agree with this or not. I put in my work in empty gyms. You know, I got my shots up and worked on my ball handling and lifted weights because I enjoyed playing in front of fans. Like I enjoyed, like I guess, the, I guess the ego as a basketball player in me wanted to show out in front of the fans, in front of parents, it, you know, in front of the other team student section, you know, in high school or call, you know, whatever. Like that's why I did it is, is for that. I think I would have had a hard time playing in an empty gym. I really do, Vlad. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it, but I would have had a hard time. I put in all the work, all the hours in empty gyms on my own to then have a stage to showcase all the hard work I put in. And so I think Bryce, a lot I'm of people doing this every single weekend since right? December. We we started playing December, and I it, it's a drag. It's it's probably the hardest season of my career. This is my tenth year as a pro. And I'm having a hard time. Right now, I'm coming off a back-to-back because this year we play back-to-backs here in Romania. So I'm coming off a back-to-back. Had no energy. Well, we played two teams at the bottom of the league. But it was it was hard. You needed that crowd. You know, you yes. need something to feed off. And there's days where you're just tired. And I'm like, okay, just the shot of caffeine is not going to do it. The double espresso <laughs> before the game is not going to do it. And, you know, it is like that sometimes. And I totally understand it. I, I do understand that, uh, you know, with, with the, the game without fans is nothing. The game without fans is it, 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 it's just just another pickup game. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, you, right you now, any... I would say just a it's a glorified pickup right now on TV, but it's still, you know, I, th- I think it does have that feeling sometimes, and it's unfortunate. And uh, hopefully, we we'll pull through, and uh, you know, soon enough we'll. We'll get uh, people back in the stands all over the world because not only the U.S. everywhere we're, we're struggling, you know, <laughs> just like I said it. But now let's go to three on three, Bryce. First thing on the list: Griffin's return to <laughs> this Detroit. game had plenty. This game had plenty of energy, Vlad. So you, oh, you know, there may, was there maybe was. a reason why our guys played so well because and, and, you know, in, in a huge and maybe it was maybe it was a letdown after an emotional, very emotional game. And yeah, just seeing. Blake Dunk, really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Bryce, I'll let you go first. What, what's your thought on, on his return? You know, he played well. Um, I, I'm not going to say anything because I do feel like his skill level at this age, it does fit playing with James Harden better or Kyrie Irving. You know, it is much easier for him to play. And I wouldn't put it that, um, in my opinion, that he was not – playing like he was playing to get traded i think it was hard for him to play isolation it was hard for him to just bang in a low post i think now it's more let me get some cuts in let me get some spot ups let me get a pick and short roll where i can get a, a two-point jumper off and that's stuff that Harden Kyrie can do at a high level right they can create for him and maybe that's why he has some juice or some more juice in him left but what is your thought on, on his return. Yeah, so I'll go. So we, we got our, another Twitter question this week, and it was about Blake Griffin. It said, was Blake Griffin a cancer behind the scenes? 
didn't look like his teammates really liked him during the game this week. And all I'll say is no, I don't think Blake Griffin was a cancer. I don't think uh, by all accounts he was a, he was a pro, you know, but there, you're right. There's definitely some juice that he showed in that game that he didn't have whenever he played all those games with us. And again, maybe rightfully so, his motivation, his enthusiasm about going to work every day has to be completely different, Vlad. I mean, he went from playing with the Pistons, who admittedly are in a rebuild, to playing for the Brooklyn Nets, who might be the the betting favorite for the NBA championship. So that's automatically going to increase you know, someone's enthusiasm. The only issue I really had during the game was when he caught the alley-oop and like stared down the Pistons bench and started yelling, I still got it, I still got it. And I was like, yes, you do still have it. We all wanted you to have it, Blake, whenever you were in Detroit. So you don't have to yell at us for it. It's not like anybody was wishing for you to not have it anymore. We would have loved to see you still have it in Detroit. We were counting on that. So that's the only... um, Yeah, to me, that was... Bryce, that was the issue. That was why the whole I still got it. Why, you know, was there some there that we don't know, you know, that Casey said he doesn't want to talk about other other team's players. Is there something more there than, well, because to me, what, what I thought Troy Weaver did was gave him a, a chance to go in the ring. And, you know, he, and just for what he did for us, for what he did in Detroit. So to me, that was an issue is why does he come out Looking staring down the bench, why is there some bad blood there? You know, why the steward? So to me, I think there was something behind closed doors. Maybe that was said. Maybe that was ha- that happened at some point in the season, where guys maybe just okay, Blake. What are you doing? What's going on here? Because it did seem when Troy Weaver pulled the trigger, like when Blake was done, he was done. You know, they, when Troy Weaver said, okay, he's done. He's not playing for us anymore. So did something happen there? Because I really don't understand the whole thing. Like, to, to me, it was weird because I expected, you know, uh, the, the video on the Jumbotron, which did happen. Uh, but all that stuff, I it was more like, you know, it was like a Harden to Houston almost kind of return. I was like, why? You know, it's like... And, and maybe... Maybe the competitive juices just got flowing, you know, and and we kept the game closer than probably what they thought we were going to. But it really seemed like the rookies were the ones that kind of went at him, right? Like the two major altercations he had were with Isaiah Stewart, who ends up getting ejected, and Sadiq Bey. So, again, I, I wish we knew someone that had like some inside scoop, you know, on this. And maybe it'll come out. Maybe Rod Beard or James Edwards or somebody will have some some information eventually because then even after the game, Dwayne Casey was asked about Blake Griffin, and his response was, to talk about someone else's players, I'm not going to do that. Exactly. And, and like, I, so I didn't understand that. The, to me, it's easy to read into that. But to me, like, I'm sure Dwayne – somebody correct us if we're wrong, but I'm sure Dwayne Casey has been asked about other teams' players after games before and had said, hey, that guy's a really good player. He's really playing well this year. You know, I had him in – you know, whatever. So I just – Something that it was more than just competitive. It was a little bit more than just competitive juices. Like there was, 
there was some under the skin type stuff there. I felt like. Yeah, that, that's why I didn't understand. You know, I was like, okay, I'm happy for Blake. He's doing this, that. Like, I kind of expected that. I didn't expect this, so that kind of threw me off. You know, the the whole elbow Stewart, the that, and you know, the dunk, and you know, I I don't make a great deal out of dunks, and I know it was all over Twitter. Oh, first game with the Nets, he dunked. Great, he dunked. He was coming off a few weeks off, anyways. Sure. So sure. I don't know. You know, he was well rested. I, to me, it's not like the dunks that he had so far with the Nets are like, oh, man, he's really athletic again. No, he's not. It's, they're very basic dunk compared to what he used to do and stuff like that. So I really don't see it that way, but I do think something happened at some point in the season where maybe Blake was like, I need to get out of here or I need to get traded or you know, something like that because it something doesn't add up. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it it's all uh, just mixed feelings, mixed emotions after that game. So it was very interesting for me to see. Yeah, I agree. But Bryce, uh, we spent quite a time with Blake. Uh, let's spend some time on our future, Sadiq Bay. So the let's Pistons, go. it came out that the Pistons rejected an offer. Uh, there was a trade for Marvin, uh, Marvin Bagley from the Sacramento Kings for Sadiq Bay. Bryce, I know your take on it, but let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, I don't – one, Marvin Bagley played at Duke, Vlad, so there was no <laughs> chance I there was taking this trade. Um, but, you know, but, you know, what's that? No, go ahead. Oh, so, you know, Bagley averages, you know, 14 points a game, averages seven rebounds a game, so – I mean, it's not like he's been a bad player in the league by any means. You know, he's been a good player. But, like, I saw this and I didn't even think about it for a second. Not even for a second. And I think it's because I just, you know, and you've called it admittedly from the beginning with Sadiq Bey. I just see so much in Sadiq Bey that I love, you know. And there was just, there's just no way that it would take something pretty substantial. There, there's no way that Sadiq Bey is untouchable. There, there's a lot of players in the league we would trade Sadiq Bey for as much as we love him. There's a lot of really good players. But it, it would take a really good player on a really good contract because I think Sadiq Bey is going to be really, really good. To me, it comes down to even position. Like, I don't sure. want Bagley yes. as a four. Yep. That's the first thing. Like, do we want – if we wouldn't move Jeremy – to the position that you're talking about, the power forward, I, I, I have nothing against Bagley. You know, he's averaging 14 and 7 uh, compared to Sadiq Bey, who's averaging, what, 11 and 4, and one can really shoot the three. Other is so-so, right? So Bagley's taking 2.6 attempts. Sadiq Bey averages 5.8 attempts. Bagley shooting 35%. Sadiq is 38.6. And... You know, one is a 50% shooter, uh, free throw shooter. Other is a 90% free throw shooter. It, it really depends to what a team needs. Uh, I do think Sadiq Bey has a lot more upside. I'm not saying Bag is a bad player at all. He's a very good player. It just doesn't fit for us. It, it, it wouldn't have made sense. You know, I think having Jeremy Grant there, you know, there's no reason to bring a, a power forward in and get rid of one of your best shooters on a team that has no shooters anyway. So... It really and and I think everybody knows by now we're both big fans of Sadiq Bay. So yeah, and, and the thing, is, and then you add in the contract too. Like that's the other thing you have to look at with all this stuff. You know, anytime I see a trade, the first thing I go look at anymore is the contract. You know, whenever the Delon Wright, 
for Corey Joseph trade happened. That's the first thing I looked at. You know, so you got you got Bagley for eleven million next year. The year after that, he's a restricted free agent, qualifying offers for almost fifteen million. So like that, that's just not you know where we have Sadiq Bay on a much lower rookie contract, you know, and can pick up his option, and you, you have him under team control for a couple extra years beyond that. So I just I don't think there's any aspect. You brought up a great point with the position. I didn't even get to that point with it. You got up a why would we bring in a four man? When we really like Jeremy Grant, you know, and Sekou fans should really hate the idea of this because it would cut into his minute, you know, possible minutes. So I, I just, I, I don't think, I, I think Sadiq. Ba- you could have gave it Buddy Hield. Yeah. And then I would have been like, oh, let me think so about that, it. So that, that's a good one. <laughs> I still don't think I would do it, but the fit makes a lot more sense, right? A Buddy Hield yeah, fit. That's what I'm saying. It's, 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 you gave us Bagley because you didn't need him, basically, yeah. or you don't want him. Oh, but I really want Sadiq Bay. Great, but yeah. no, no, uh, thank you. You know, and I think Troy Uber did a good job of just, you know, rejecting that trade. I, Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, and I think Jeremy Grant, but like Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart are pillars of this rebuild, in my opinion. Like th- these are guys that hopefully will be lifelong Pistons that we're going to be there whenever we hang enough with a fourth banner. Like those, those, those two especially. Maybe out of anybody else on the roster, and you know, in Killian Hayes, I know. I just I was just gonna no, say, no. I was like, well, I, there's I, a good way. Don't forget about Killian. I know Hayes he just he hasn't transitioned yet. He hasn't played for a little while, so Killian Hayes also. But with the two guys we've seen play the most this year, those guys are the pillars that I think will will hang another banner in Detroit. But Killian Hayes will be there as well. Absolutely, and the return of Killian Hayes, Bryce, is imminent. And what should we expect out of Killian Hayes right now? What do you think, as, as a coach, what do you expect of, let's say, your franchise player coming off, you know, three months off, pretty ugly injury, if you ask me, but the expectations, I feel like, are still there. Yeah. Uh, no, but no, what, what should we realistically expect out of the Killian Hayes for the rest of the year? Not much, Vlad. Like, Pistons fans need to temper expectations and, and, just, and just say right now, we all need to agree right now that we are not going to judge Killian Hayes until at least the all-star break next year, if not the end of next year. Like we, we just throw the expectations away, throw the bust or he got drafted too high or we should have drafted Tyrese Halliburton or what, throw it all away. All right. And temper our expectations. I think he will and should be on a minutes restriction. He's probably not going to play the back, the, you know, the in back to backs, you know, just we saw that with Hamadiallo. He didn't play in the second game of the back-to-back this week. I I could see us bringing him off the bench and playing him eighteen to twenty-two minutes a night. I hope we see a guy that that can that makes some shots. I want to see the smooth passing that he showed. That's something that doesn't really go away. If I'd like to see anything, Vlad, if there's one thing I'd like to see is I really want to see him in pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll situations as much as possible. Absolutely. And with that, Bryce, I feel like stats are an expectation usually, right? And what we have to look into it as, uh, at least me as a basketball player, you as a coach, I think we would look into this. What kind of passes does he make of a pick and roll, right? Because he can have great pass of a pick and roll. And if you have no shooter to knock it down on the weak side, he, he can have great, you know, great kickouts and be like, oh, well, that was 10 missed shots. No assist for Hayes. So it's, it's all, it all ties in together. So what I really want to see off Hayes is defensively how he is. 
and I want to see what he creates with a pick and roll because he's not an ISO player, so the expectation for him is to create, to create off a pick and roll. So what does he create? Can he create for Plumlee, some, some short rolls, some layups, and can he create for the shooters that we don't even have? So at least if he moves the ball the right places, then we're in a good place with him. But I don't expect him averages, you know, how he, he's going to have five, six assists a game or that. No, I think that's, that's a lot to put on him. But I do want to see some plays. I, I want to see him making the right plays and the plays that he's been advertised to make, right? The weak side passes. Everybody was raving about his wingspan coming in and they can make the weak side pass of a pick and roll, which not many guards nowadays can make. He's six six, so he can. So I want to see those, you know. Is that going to translate to stats? Probably not, but I'm okay with that at this point in the season. But those are my expectations. What what I you know what I want to see is sitting here listening to you talk. You know what the lineup I would like to see? I'd like to see DSJ get to start and put Wayne Ellington or put Hamid Diallo in the starting lineup with him, and then bringing Hayes off the bench and then have um, Ellington in the second unit with JJ Seku and Isaiah Stewart. And let's start developing that pick and roll, that pick and pop, that that ball screen game between Hayes and Stewart playing in the second unit. And then you have a really good cutter, two really good cutters, okay, in Josh Jackson and Sekou, and a really good shooter in Wayne Ellington. Like, if there's one thing Sekou is really good at, he does move well without the ball. So, to me, that's the perfect little mix. And I know I'm leaving out Saban Lee right now, and I don't know where he would fit in this scenario. Um, but... That's what I would like to see. Let's 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 stack that second unit to make Hayes successful by giving him a shooter, by giving him good ball mo- or uh, movers without the ball, and then Isaiah Stewart to run pick and and, and they can develop that together because Isaiah Stewart said that's a part of his game he needs to really work on and develop. Well, Bryce, it's going to be a lot of um, issues with the minutes, especially at the guard position when oh, Hayes comes back. For sure, well, we're, we're just. We have too many guards, too many point guards right now if Hayes comes back and when Hayes comes back. So I think that's going to be an issue, but I think that's something that Casey will deal with because Hayes will get his minutes. It's a matter of uh, who else will get theirs. And now, Bryce, let's head around the NBA. First, the MVP race. Where's Joel Embiid? You, no. you, uh, you said that with a lot of excitement in your voice, and there's only one reason why you're saying it like that. What's the reason, Bryce? Tell because me. everybody else has got hurt, so your boy Joker <laughs> has to be leading. But hey, you know what's crazy, Bryce? I love Jokic, but to me, hard. Let's go. Is the MVP right now. You, let's, same and same. He reads. I'm I'm not gonna lie. To you. What he does in, in with the Nuggets is unbelievable. But I've seen the, the, the I saw these Nets play the first few games without Harden. I've seen Harden at his best, and I've seen Harden be able to get 60, 10, and 10 on any given night. But what I haven't seen Harden up until this year is be able to take 10 shots and still have a triple double, be able to take eight shots and still score 20 points. He's been very efficient, and he's been very smart playing the point guard for those Nets. He's the point guard of that Nets team. He's the whole brains behind it, and I love it. I love it because I criticized him. I said he was out of shape. I've made him a ball hog at times, and right now, he just proves everybody wrong, that he can play basketball the right way, that he can get rid of the ball 
off the first dribble. He doesn't have to over dribble when they're so. To me, Harden's proven that he can play. He, he cannot. He's not only the best ISO player in the world, which which was kind of the tag around him the last few years in Houston, right? But now it's like, oh man, that's like one heck of a point guard. Yeah, no, he he did everything we didn't think he would be willing to do, right? Vlad, like we crushed him on this show, right? I, like absolutely, we, we were killing him, making jokes about his weight, about his you know everything else, and it was all to get it. It, it was. I don't love that that's what players do to get out of the situation they're in. But, I mean, I guess I get it. And it worked out. And now he's balling. He he is playing at a level that nobody else in the league is playing at right now, in my opinion. He is killing it. And you make up a good point. Everybody says, oh, well, he has Kevin Durant. He has Kyrie. No, he's not playing with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not playing. And Kyrie Irving, for whatever reason, is, you know, various reasons, plays here, here and there. LaMarcus Aldridge hasn't started playing yet. Blake Griffin has only played, you know, a handful of games. So everybody, you know, is knocking the nets for this quote-unquote super team. But for the most part, it's just been hard doing his thing. So I have him number one also. I think Jokic is number two. I think you have to mention Giannis and Dame. To me, it's a four-person race um, between those four. There's only about nine teams that have have won enough where I think you consider anybody on their team to be an MVP and the other five teams, it's either, you know, their best players are hurt and be LeBron or maybe some guys on some other teams like the jazz and the Suns. you have guys that are going to take, you know, that it's like, is it Chris Paul or is it Devin Booker? Is it Gobert or is it Dave, you know, Donovan Mitchell? So I think it's between Harden, Jokic, Giannis and Dame. And to me, uh, just if I can make the, the case for Harden even clear, in my opinion, He's taken the least amount of shots. He's he's been he's last time he took 17 shots I a game. I love that was stat. In 13 and 14. That was his second year in Houston where he took less shots than he's taking right now. He's seven he's taking 17 shots a game. This is a career high in assists, 11.4 a game. This is a career high in rebounds, 8.9 rebounds per game. And he's still scoring 26 per game, which is very similar to his, you know, seasons in Houston when he was averaging, you know, he was taking 18, 19, 19 shots a game. So, to me, it says a lot about him. This is huge uh, that your MVP, you know, the, the best ISO player in the world, he, he came in from a situation where he's taking 24, 25 shots a game. And, you know, he came in here taking 17. He stepped up his rebounding. He stepped up his assist game. And he still averaged 26. So it is very hard, you know, to really say someone else because I don't understand what Jokic is doing. But for Harden and what he's doing on this type of team and to make him win even without Kyrie and KD, which is something that I'm not sure, you know, without Harden, if KD and Kyrie would win just as easy or as many games. So... So to me, hard is the MVP. Then I have Jokic, and then yes, I, I agree. Um, I would say Lillard just because of uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, uh, <laughs> you know. So maybe that's why a little bit more bias on that. And what he's doing for Portland is something that basically hardened for Houston for many years, and Harden's doing now. You know, he just puts the team on his back and carries it, and really fights and scraps until you know last piece of energy he has, and he's given so much that franchise, and I love it. 
So I would say Lillard is a third, and uh, Giannis doing Giannis thing. But again, I'm not, I'm not sold until he was a championship. I'm really not sold on Giannis say, anymore. He, it, it's going to be hard for him to win another regular MV, season MVP, right or wrong, until he has more postseason success. Flawed, and people people may disagree with that, and and I can understand people that want to disagree with that, but. He's won back-to-back regular season MVP and then didn't, you know, carry it over into the playoffs or at least deep into the playoffs. So I just don't think people are going to vote for him for MVP until he at least gets to the finals, maybe wins a championship, and then follows it up the the following years with big regular seasons. Agreed. Now, another interesting race, the rookie of the year, Bryce, LaMelo Lamelo Ball's injury, you know, it's, it crushed it, it crushed Lamelo. It crushed the Hornets, yeah. I think, because he was having a fabulous year. He was. So Lamelo Ball, as a rookie, was averaging fifteen point nine, six point one assists, and five point nine rebounds. Those are great stats for a rookie. He was killing guard. it, man. He was really playing well, and this is going to hurt the Nets. Uh, but again, we have to compare with number one pick in the draft, Anthony Edwards, at the University of Georgia. More of a scorer, averaging 17 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, and 2.5 assists. But again, maybe you have a dark horse at rookie. Bryce, who's your rookie of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Anthony Edwards. And and I'll be honest, Vlad, when LaMelo first got hurt and everybody said, oh, Anthony Edwards, rookie of the year. Now I was like, whoa, like just because LaMelo's hurt doesn't mean, but I don't think he played enough games. Like I, I thought there was a chance you could still make LaMelo ball, you know, rookie of the year. But it ends up being about half the game, so it's probably not. Yes, he played forty-one games. Yeah, so it's that's a little more than half because they're going to play. They're we're only playing seventy-two. If he would have got to fifty games, Vlad, I think you still could have made a pretty strong argument um, for Lamelo Ball as the Rookie of the Year. But as it stands, I don't think you can. He was balling. I'm excited for him to come back next year. I think Anthony Edwards is your Rookie of the Year right now. I do want to throw out, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, Emmanuel Quickly in New York, Wiseman in Golden State are all having really good years. And if you wanted to make an argument for any of those guys, it's that their teams are way better, even though their stats don't, you know, don't show as much as Anthony Edwards. And, you know, and then the other one right here, you know, to keep things Detroit Pistons, Sadiq Bay is having a pretty damn good year as well. So, you know, it's, I don't know that you really, you know, he's probably not really in contention. But no, I think he's, he's top, he's he's top, top five for sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to say top five, top ten, absolutely. Um, somewhere in that five to ten range for Sadiq Bay. But I think it's Anthony Edwards to lose at this point. I understand the game, the, the games thing, but to me it's LaMelo Ball. And the only reason why I would say LaMelo Ball, it's also because the Hornets right now are going to start dropping. Sure. That will, that, and he's, impo- he, he's important on their roster. If the Hornets get to the playing game, right, and where he left them basically, you know, I think right then and then it, that's, that's going to be a good case for him, you know. Uh, and Bryce, he's, he, he's played great. Like, it, it, to me, it's not that. So the Hornets are in fifth right now. It's he's taking you know four less shots per game. He's only averaging one less points point per game. He's shooting better from three point percentage. You know, thirty seven compared to thirty one. Field goal percentage. Uh, Anthony Edwards under forty percent. He's a uh, Lamelo Ball is forty five. Free throws. They're both around seventy eight, seventy nine percent. And 
you know, rebounds and assists. So to me overall, and the plus minus that they're on the floor, which I you know I'm big on, Lamella Ball is a minus one, Anthony Edwards is a minus six. Again, the team can make a sure. difference in that sure. a lot. So to me, it's it's Lamella Ball. Vlad, I, just I, I, Vlad, I don't think I don't disagree with you necessarily. I think LaMelo Ball was going to win the Rookie of the Year unanimously, in my opinion. I just didn't know if it was far enough above Anthony Edwards to for him to still win it, missing as many games as he's going to miss. If LaMelo Ball didn't get injured, it was, he was going to win it. No question. And this, this is probably the same case you can make for Embiid right now in the MVP. Sure. You know? The injury, how much does it affect him? Uh, maybe even for LeBron too. But those uh, guys weren't a you know, far enough above everybody else. You know, those guys were all kind of exactly, equal yeah. with Jokic and Harden and Dame and Jan. Like Lamelo Ball was one, and then there was some room before you got to Anthony Edwards. In my in my personal opinion. Yep, in mine too. But now since man mentioned LeBron Lakers a little bit, we talk Nets. Two huge pickups: Drummond the Lakers, Aldridge the Nets. Let's talk Drummond the Lakers first, Bryce. What you know? I'm I'm a fan of Andre Drummond. Uh, I'm not a fan of Andre Drummond being your first option, sure. second or third. <laughs> if he's your role player like Dwight Howard, I love Andre Drummond. Absolutely. He's probably the best. He's the best role player like that. Uh, you know, like like the Clint Capella role for Andre Drummond, I think is great. Yeah, and I think that's what he's going to do for Lakers. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is a way bigger. I only think it's a bigger thing than what people are making it out to be because everybody, and it's because I think Andre Drummond left a bad taste in all Pistons fans' mouth, it, and so they they don't want to talk about it. But I think it's a big thing. It, it's bigger than what people are giving it credit for. The dude averages 17.5 points and 14.5 rebounds. They can't all be completely worthless. Like That's the thing, right? He's a stat stuffer. It's It's meaningless points and rebounds. I'm sorry. You give me 18 and 15, even if half of those mattered, okay, that's nine and seven and a half. So to replace what they were getting in that position to get, I think it's huge for them, especially when you look across the conference to the Brooklyn Nets and you look at the front court, their front court, they're putting together. So I think this is, it is important. I don't do think it makes a, a difference for the Lakers. It's not going to matter if LeBron and AD aren't healthy, but if they are, it's it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Defensively, it's a huge deal. Him and AD together, you know, that they, they can really protect the rim. They can get all the boards, get up and run, you know, get LeBron up up in transition situation where he's probably best at. And uh, really, it's, it's a great pickup. And uh, I've heard, oh, the Nets are stacking up. To me, this drum on the Lakers is the Lakers stacking up. Because I'll get to the to the Nets, Bryce, and Lamarcus Aldridge the Nets. I'll, I'll I'll tell you this that I'm not a fan of Blake or Aldridge the Nets. I'm not gonna say they're washed, but Bryce, they're pretty old. So I don't want to make the they can't guard a soul. That team cannot guard a soul. Harden, Kyrie, Durant, Blake, and Aldridge on the floor. Who are they going to guard? They couldn't guard anybody anyway, though. Yeah. So, I- I'm going to say this. I-, I actually love it. So, 
Um, I think it gives them a lot of depth in the front court now. And I went and did some stats. So I, I feel like they this was allowed them to replenish what they lost in the James Harden trade. James Harden, as much as I love Karis LeVert, James Harden is obviously better than Karis LeVert. Torian Prince and Jarrett Allen were averaging about 20 and 12 combined. Two threes a game and two blocks a game. If you take what Griffin is doing so far with Brooklyn, and then Aldridge obviously hasn't played for him, so what Aldridge was doing in San Antonio, they're averaging about 22 and nine, two threes a game and one block. So you're right. Defensively, you use something, lose something, because you know Torian Prince was an athletic wing and Jarrett Allen could protect the, the, the paint. But I think you get the scoring and the rebounding from those guys, and I think that's important. So... I do think they have a fit there because what, what was their alternative? No, I, I agree with you. There's they're a good fit, but I don't see them. Um, I even saw a post somewhere on Facebook, I believe, where it was, oh, if LeBron wins this against the Super Nets yeah, team, yeah, that, then it's like he's the goat for sure. Yeah, that and stuff's like, overblown. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm sorry, but have you seen Blake and Aldridge play last two years? Like. You know, it's one of those things where, okay, I get it. It's a name. It's a huge name. But they're not the same players that they were five years ago. All the respect to both of them. Now, I think Aldridge actually probably a better fit than Blake, if you ask me. Because he can knock down the mid-range jump shot at a high clip. He might give him an ISO option on a mismatch in the low post. But overall, to me, they can't really guard. And the Lakers addressed... Their most dire issue, this an athletic center. You know, they they were missing Dwight Howard. If you believe it or not, this year they missed Dwight having Dwight Howard in the lineup, and they missed having an athletic center. So the Lakers really had a great pickup. And if I was the Nets, honestly, I would have gave up picking up Blake and Aldridge to try to pick up Drummond. But again, I guess. They picked up whatever was one hundred percent sure that comes to so, them. So that would kind be of waiting for Drummond. That would be your issue with the Nets. Then is you think they should have maybe went all in on Andre Drummond as opposed to Blake and Aldridge? Because my thing is, this was their only way for these teams is to get better. Sometimes is in the buyout market. I, I guess my thought is just I feel like the Nets did really good under the under the circumstances. They traded away a lot of depth, Vlad, to get James Harden, and rightfully so. Right, that trade is you you can't. You can't argue that that was the right thing to do, I think, I, in my opinion. Not right now. Um, they, they trade a lot to get uh, James Harden, but none of that ended up in Houston. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you're, you're right. And again, go listen to the last episode because we went in on the Houston Rockets um, and what little they got in return for James Harden. It's going to go down in history yeah. books. Oh, as one of the worst. But <laughs> Griffin and Aldridge, they feel – I f- the same thing you're saying about Drummond with the Lakers, I do think Griffin and Aldridge feel a need that the, for, for the Nets. And if they're not playing well defensively or they need more defense, then I think they can play Claxton, the Claxton kid, you know, Nick Claxton. But whenever they are, are okay there – and I think we've seen with Blake, Vlad, they're going to play a little harder on defense – because it's the Nets and you're playing for a championship and for one of the best teams in the league. And so I think you'll see a little bit more out of those guys. And they can save them and kind of keep them rested until they get to the playoffs. And both of those guys are chasing rings, Vlad. And so there's going to be a lot of motivation for them come playoff time. No, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just saying defensively that's a team that's 
very weak. Absolutely. And there's a lot of play, there's a lot of spots you can attack him at. Now on the on the other side of the floor, again, they're a huge mismatch and uh, you know they're, they're trouble. They're you know, they can all <laughs> score. They're, they're trouble. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I'm just not a fan of uh, the way they they got rid of Jared Allen, who's the rim protector. Yes. So right now, I just don't see them having a rim protector. The Lakers addressed exactly what they needed, a rim protector, and they got Drummond. And that's where I think they're missing, you know, because nothing against DJ. DeAndre Jordan has been playing very well since James Harden came in the lineup uh, and very well compared to last year. But he's he's not a – it's the same with Blake. He's not the same DeAndre Jordan. You know, he's not – all over the place, chasing every rebound, contesting every shot. So it's going to be difficult for them because I'm not really sure that KD, again, coming off the Achilles and the muscle injury right now, or James Harden can really sit and guard guys one-on-one or, you know, in pick-and-roll situations. So to me, that's going to be their downfall. It's going to be defense. And um, as much as I hate to say it because – Coaches used to preach this: "Oh, defense wins championships. It does win championships. It does. No, I, I think the, you have to get stops in the most important parts of the game. You know, I, so in that sense, it does. And I think the Nets. I think this is a playoff that, in, to me, this is a year where injuries are going to be decide so many things. Right, Vlad? Like, if KD never gets back, the Nets." aren't near as scary or if one of these guys we're talking about deandre jordan uh uh aldridge or griffin you know ad or lakers yeah i mean there's just the right now you would say in fully healthy the nets and the lakers are the scariest team on each side but there's a lot of injury questions with multiple people on both of those teams vlad so and I think that's why a lot of teams like the Blazers made the Norman Powell trade, the Nuggets for Aaron Gordon. I think that's why teams went all in because they can sense a little bit of like, this might be a year where we can go get it because these teams might be hurt by injuries. Yeah, let's not forget the Utah Giants. They do it by committee. Uh, it's, it's all and they for went and got another shooter. For all they and went and got another shooter. Yeah, So and they have – and they did not miss shooting, you know, and they play very well together. The ball moves. Uh, they're very sharp offensively and defensively, uh, making the right rotations. So um, it, it's, it's really tough to pick a winner right now because as much as I, I really want to say the Lakers or I said the Lakers in the beginning and now I'm seeing the injuries, then you really want to say the Nets because they're hot. You do have these teams that are very – Consistent and they play very well, like the Utah Jazz. It's like you know what they don't have the superstar, or they do have Donovan Mitchell, but it's not that. You know, I don't feel like Donovan Mitchell is the same uh, level as LeBron or AD or James Harden or even Kyrie as far as like winning rings and stuff like that. What What about the Miami Heat, Vlad? Like they can put out a squad that can guard you, right? I mean. Jimmy Butler, Oladipo, Kendrick Nunn, Bam. Like, those dudes are athletic. And they couldn't really use LaMarcus Aldridge. (laughs) That's where we thought he was going to go, right? Uh, Yes, and I thought that was the perfect fit. That was a better fit for him than than the Nets, if you ask me. Uh, But, yeah, Uh, the the Heat are going to be a problem because we talked about this. They have that chip on the shoulder. 
There's a lot of guys that have the chip on the shoulder in that team. There's a lot of guys that can shoot the ball. There's a lot of guys that can play ISO. There's a lot of guys that uh, play basketball the right way. And they're well coached. Under, exactly. That's that's really you know under. I would say undervalued, but goes under the radar nowadays. Is how many guys in that team can really play the right way. You know, and that's what the Jazz do. That's what the Heat do. That's why they're so dangerous. That's what the Celtics were doing a few years ago. And now they seem a little bit discombobulated because, like, oh, what are we doing? Who's this? Who's that? They're trying to figure out everything. But overall, all these teams, Bryce, it's a, it's a weird year. So it's, it's very hard I, to say. I, I was just going to say, I I know our Pistons aren't going to be a part of it, Vlad, but I'm pumped for the playoffs to watch the – you know, just as an NBA and a basketball fan – like I just look at the standings and look at teams that can be dangerous and this play-in format for the 7 through 10 seed is going to be fun. So like I'm just juiced for I'm excited to watch the rest of the Pistons season. Don't get me wrong, I am. I want to continue I want to see Hayes back, watch how Hami plays, see how Bay and Stewart continue to develop, but as an NBA fan, I think these playoffs are going to be awesome. Absolutely, but until the playoffs we do have a few more games, Bryce. And uh, I really would love to pick up a win next week. Uh, we need one. I don't know where. Well, we have uh, Toronto. Um, Portland. We have Portland. We have Washington. We have New York. New York. Yeah. Then OKC on April uh, 5th. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure which one because as we saw with the Bulls, I don't think New York is a good one uh, to yeah. get right now. Yeah. We're talking about that. Really good the defensively. We struggle. The gym. Yeah, we struggle against good defensive teams. Like the, I mean, and, and obviously the Knicks are really good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it might just be Toronto. Actually. Yeah, it might, it might. It might be Toronto next game. Uh, but we'd we'd love to get a win, and we'd love to see Hayes coming back soon. Uh, start getting him in the rotation, and uh, hopefully we start shooting the ball a little bit better. That that would be great. You know, I'm I'm interested <laughs> that Toronto game just as. You know, it'll be interesting to see where they're at. You know, they had a lot of weird stuff with Kyle Lowry and stuff at the deadline. Portland, I know, you know, just I think both of us are fans of people on that team. You know, you're a big Mellow fan. CJ McCollum was a Patriot League guy, which is a conference we played. You played against him. I coached against him. um, And they made a big trade with Toronto. I think the game I'm most looking forward to, though, Vlad, as a Pistons fan, is that Washington Wizard game. They came in, they punked us this last game. You know, like they were dunking all over us in the first quarter up huge like i want to see how kind of how we respond you you want to see a reaction (laughs) but you know what i'm just looking at it now it's a back-to-back again it's the second night of a back-to-back again but yes the coach in me feels like i want to see my team respond and be like no that's not how we're we're not just going to take it like that you know we're going to bounce back and maybe it'll be the toronto game is the game we'll really see it but I, i i think we'll see a different level of energy um in that Wizards game, even with it being a back-to-back after what happened last night. Yeah, and I would hope so. And that's uh, really – it was it was a tough week for us, Bryce. Uh, it was a tough week for any Pistons fan. Uh, you know, two very bad losses and then two, I would say, so-so games. But really haven't played well, I would say, in a while. Yeah. I don't feel like – I feel like before the All-Star game, uh, before the All-Star break, really feel like we're playing well. Um, and we were in a lot of games, but now it just feels like a lot of games get close, but they're not really that close yep. anymore. Yep. And, okay, we have to realize, right, 
um, the law right is not here or he was injured here and there Wayne Ellington was injured here and there um, Jeremy Grant had a few games where he rested and then all this stuff matters because you do end up you know with different rotations and different players and they stepped up and played well Frank Jackson played well at times Saban Lee played well at times but they're young you know they, they, they're young and that's the whole difference between uh, an, an all-star uh a high level NBA player yep. and guys that are on, on, on the on the fringe, it's uh, those guys, you know, they go and do it consistently. Consistency, yep. It's, it's the consistency that gives you the value, it gives you the contract. It's really not the I played Nate two games and I scored 15 points 10 times. That's not going to get you the contract. If you score 10 points, in 70 out of 82 games, that's going to get you the contract. And I think that's what we're missing. We're showing our youth. Um, you know, we're, we're showing a lot of stuff that we, as Pistons fans, we would hope not to see. But at the same time, we do want to see because you want the draft yeah. pick. <laughs> well, you want to be there. And Vlad, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to have a chance to maybe even do that a little bit more. We kind of went, you know, glossed over this in the Wizards game, I think, because we just kind of didn't want to talk about that game a whole lot but but Jeremy Grant left that game early and I don't think it was anything serious but it'll be interesting to see if they give him you know a week off and and he's been a little bit inconsistent Vlad here the last couple weeks you know in his game and and does he do we decide they sit him for a week to let him not only heal up but maybe also to take some of that pressure off of him give him a little bit of a break so you know and if Jeremy Grant's not playing points might be hard to come by Absolutely. And uh, we'll see what comes up next. But uh, so far, overall, for the Pistons fans, you know, just stay tuned to the NCAA tournament, too. Like Bryce said, even Mobile is playing later on today. Uh, well, that will be uh, at the time we're recording this. <laughs> so we're, and, and, and we're, we're keeping an eye on uh, all of this. Michigan just got a big dub. I, yep, I'm looking at my yep. phone right now. One by almost 20. So they're headed to the Elite Eight. We'll be playing Tuesday night. We'll keep an eye on John Harden, those uh, those Wolverines. Yep. But in the meantime, just uh, make sure you reach out to us. We would love uh, any kind of interaction on social media. Uh, don't forget Instagram is Motor City Hoops Show. Uh, our Twitter is Motor City Hoops. Facebook is Motor City Hoops. Uh, we're, we're, we're online almost every single day. So if you got any questions or anything you want to discuss with us, off the record or also just put your questions in for next episode we'd love to hear them and we'd love to discuss them so uh, make sure you stay tuned for next episode and uh, we'll catch you guys soon thank you for listening to the motor city hoops podcast catch you on the next one